This is a podcast by The Straits Times. He's a World Cup winner, a footballing icon, and one of the most respected voices in the beautiful game. From scoring goals on the world's biggest stages to mesmerizing fans of Tottenham Hotspur, Inter Milan, Bayern Munich, and others, Jurgen Klinsmann captured the imagination during his playing career. The former USA and Germany national team head coach is now the man at the helm of the South Korean national side. And he was in Singapore for a few days to catch the Lion City Sailors' incredible 2 0 win over Junbuk in the Asian Champions League. Klinsman was, after all, taking a closer look at Sailors' Singaporean players who will feature for the Lions when they take on the South Korean national side in a World Cup qualifier on November 16. Hi, I'm Deepanraj Ganesan, SD Sports reporter, and I caught up with Klinsman just ahead of the match to learn more about how he became the striker he was, his thoughts on modern day football forwards and how he is feeling before South Korea takes on Singapore. I think in Singapore, people are quite fascinated with the German national team and you uh, back in the day. So what made you the, the kind of striker that you were for Germany and for your club sites? That's a long, long time ago. Yeah. I, I think everyone, you know, no matter where you grow up in, on this planet, you know, is a child of this environment. So wherever you grow up, determines a little bit your characteristics and your decisions on what you want to do in life. You know, I grew up in a, in a little town close to Stuttgart and at the age of eight, the only thing I wanted to do all day long was after school, obviously, was playing football. Playing in football as an eight, nine-year-old kid, you know, they figured out that scoring goals was the most exciting part of playing football, <laughs> at least to me. No, and I think it's very similar to what uh, maybe in other sports, especially basketball players experience, you know, the more the kids play, you know, basketball in the neighborhoods, they develop their, their skills. And similar to in my life was all my skills developed basically by playing just football after school with friends. You know, and then later on you get organized and you get into the club system and then you work your way up through whatever selection teams and so on. But uh, the foundation of your game, in my case, being a forward and scoring goals was given to me already at the early age between 8 and 12. So what would your tip, suggestion or advice be to young strikers? What do they need to do to get better at scoring goals? Well, the beauty of football is it's a self-teaching game. <laughs> so it's not a coach's game. Uh, later on, then coaches become more influential because especially on the professional level. But children basically can develop their own skills by themselves. You know, if they kick the ball around with your friends in, the, in some backyards or, or in some parks or in, in the streets or, or if you kick the ball against a, a wall, you know, forever, two, three, four hours, you can develop your skills pretty much on your own. And it's a simple logic in football that the more you play, the better you get. So when uh, I talk to parents and they ask me, oh, what should I do with my kids and stuff like that? I said, just let them play. The more they play, the better they get. And the beauty on football also is that the decision is made by the players on the field, you know, not by the coaches. So uh, a kid or a player decides to dribble, to pass, to shoot, whatever he wants to do. It's not the coach that decides that. And so when it's about player development and about, you know, how children develop for, you know, in the football world, then it's, it's a very simple calculation. It's uh, the more you play freely, freely meaning nobody tells you what to do, the better you will get. So are there any interesting things that you used to do to 
get sharper in front of goal? Were you watching videos or? No, at my time there were no videos. <laughs> <laughs> there was not. Uh, just started with uh, uh, black and white TV. Mm. I think. Um, no, it's again similar to basketball when they do dunkings and all this stuff, you know, in the neighborhoods. You know, in, in my little world, we were doing playing on any grass area in a park. We were doing bicycle kicks. We will dive. We will play goalie. Then we will play striker. So we were just fooling around for hours, not knowing that we actually got really good. You know, and I played in a team under 12 years of age, where in my little neighborhood where I grew up, four players became professional. <laughs> Because of the way we played every day, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, the, the beautiful thing is that you develop a vision for the game, you develop all the technique, you know, you become both footed, left foot, right foot, you play heading games, not knowing that you actually develop skills. And nowadays, the coaches want to teach those skills to the kids in school systems or in club systems. But all they need to do is actually doing it all by themselves with just friends. Just play football. Yeah. Just play football and play hours of football and you will get better. I mean, I absolutely can guarantee you that. So nobody taught Messi things, you know, that he did later on as a professional when he was little. He just tried them out. Maradona tried them out. All these exceptional players, you know, they came through neighborhoods. So the neighborhood was basically their... Teacher. The teacher. Yeah. yeah. So, do you feel now in modern football, the kind of strikers have changed from when you used to play? Would you say that there are not many natural number nines? Would you say that? That changed a little bit because of coaches wanted to do other or wanted to u utilize other tactical approaches. So they became more defensive minded, you know, take one striker out and play with a 4-2-3-1 or which becomes a 4-5-1 or in a more defensive or 4-3-3. But first of all, they they didn't want to concede goals. And then the second thing is to score a goal. So they sacrificed a striker position over mm -hmm. the last 15 years. It all started with the great Spanish team 2008. You know, they started then to put even uh, Fernando Torres on the bench, which I adored as a player. <laughs> but those are tactical kind of shifts that happen over years by fantastic coaches like, you know, Del Bosque or then Pep Guardiola and then other ones or Jose Mourinho. They just went then with one striker only and then supported by attacking midfielders. So yeah, that changed, but it doesn't mean that in the future time it will stay like that. I think in the future time, maybe coaches will go back into a 4-4-2 with two real strikers. Some do a 4-4-1-1, you know, have one striker behind another and stuff like that. But I, I think the number nine position has its big importance. If you look at the big teams in the world, like Barcelona with Lewandowski, Harry Kane with Bayern Munich, you know, Haaland with Manchester City. It's, it's still a position that if you have a fantastic number nine, you can win real trophies. You can win a lot. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. And now back to my conversation with Jürgen Klinsmann. In that question, I have to ask you this. Germany are going to be in the Euro 2024 next year, the host. Do you see that then being an issue for them at all? Or do you think there's still a way they can work around not having a, a number nine? Yeah, I mean, they have a full group. Full group uh, yeah. And I think he actually, even if he's a latecomer in his career, 
he's actually pretty good. You like he's him? Good. I like him. I like him, and I think he can fulfill that role. The question is, if he is not available, let's say he's injured or something, then there is an issue. There is a problem because I think the way Germany always operated over the decades is relying on a good number nine. Yes, like yourself. Um, yeah, but yeah, or Miro Klose, you know, who broke all the records in the world, and and therefore I hope that the clubs change a little bit their approach in educating young strikers for the number nine role as well. I'm very positive about the Euros for Germany because overall this is a very talented group of players. A good coach. Uh, and, a, and a coach that is young and enthusiastic and speaks uh, the language of the players a bit closer because he's young. So I'm actually pretty positive that they will have a, a very good European Championship. Okay, my last two questions. I have to ask about why you're here in Singapore. Was this to more to prepare for the South Korean national team because a lot of Singapore national team players are playing for the Sailors? Or was it more to watch uh, Junbook in action? Like, why, why has it made you travel here? No, it was just a coincidence. Wonderful coincidence that uh, uh, Ulsan last ah. night played, you know, against Chor. And then, you know, the game tonight uh, with John Book and with Singapore. And so we can catch two Korean teams in two days. And also I can have a look at national team players from Malaysia, which, because we play them in the Asian Cup in the group. And I can also scout quite a few players from Singapore because the majority of them play for, for the Lions here. And so we just took advantage of that situation. And it, it already was quite impressive what I saw last night in Joa. That was uh, really, big upset. Yeah, was really impressive. I mean, I watched, obviously, you know, we coaches do our homework. We watch both games with Guam and we watch the previous games of Singapore. And I can only tell you that we will not underestimate the Singapore team at all. You know, they have quality players. They know how to play the game and, and we expect a difficult game next week. So for me then being here and seeing quite a few of those players, you know, in the whole game and in the way that I can watch it, you know, which is not kind of the camera angle of, you know, where you only see parts of the game, you see the whole field and you see how they are shaped up and how they behave tactically and all that stuff is, is very valuable. So we utilize that kind of occasion mm -hmm. to come to Singapore. And my last question is, Singapore will be traveling to South Korea. It's going to be a sold out stadium. The South Korean crowd, I'm sure, will be passionate and waiting for the game. Would you say that South Korea is going to go all out against Singapore? And, you know, is your aim to register a resounding victory against Singapore? Is that the aim for you? No, no, no. The aim is very simple, to win the game. To win the game. That is a clear message also to the team. Yeah, we, we don't think that we are superior in any, in any means. We are favorite, but, you know, the game starts nil-nil. And then anything can happen. You know, we played Vietnam in the last friendly And they had two big chances before we scored goals. Uh, and then even when he scored goals, I think it was 2-0 at one point, they hit the crossbar with a free kick. So they could have scored two or three goals. So no, we, we take them very, very seriously with a lot of respect. And it starts nil-nil and it will be a lot, a lot of work for us. All right, Jürgen, thank you so much for giving me some time. You're uh, welcome. I really appreciate it. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. 
For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O.